All right, we are rolling now. Counting us down. Three, two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey there, Misketeers. Welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people, and we hope that in sharing it, it builds you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective. I would respond to that directly, but you see, we record during the daytime, and as such, I am currently in a petrified stone state to awaken only when the sun sets. But as such, you swooped in and you took away my opportunity to do an intro, to give the breakdown. Uh, And in so doing, you've denied me everything, even my revenge. Yes, that is what I do, for I am the Magus! I am in control of your magical fate. But you see, I got there. Like, I took a minute. I walked around the cul-de-sac. I could have gone straight to the front door, but I was like, this is a nice this is a nice block. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to take right. a circuitous route. And right. now here we are. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate it. I'm sure everyone at home also appreciated it. Yep. Uh, and now, of course, as, as uh, you can no doubt tell, the moon has risen. And I am, I've uh, burst forth from my uh, stony... In case, in case of jings. Yes, indeed. But you're still rock hard. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, if you hadn't guessed, you you just completely avoided the title of this episode. <laughs> if you're like, what the fuck is he talking about? We're talking about Gargoyles, the 1994 Disney animated uh, slash Buena Vista Pictures distributed animated series. Um, it was created by Greg Weissman, Frank Parr, and Michael Reeves. These gentlemen you might know from such things as uh, Greg Weissman currently works on Young Justice. He also wrote for MIB, the animated series, oh. Batman, Brave and the Bold, um, and Michael Reeves, Batman, the animated series, Batman Beyond, He-Man, almost all the He-Mans that came out in the 90s, right. um, and the 2002 version. Um, another prominent writer on this series was Brianne Chandler Reeves, Michael's wife. She worked on Spider-Man the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, we had a star, star-studded group of people. Also, uh, two of the main characters were from Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Xanatos played by Jonathan Frakes. We got Demona played by Marina Sirtis. I assume I pronounced that correctly. And then throughout the series, we get a slew of other Star Trek people. LeVar Burton comes around. Brett Spider comes around. Bro, Star Trek. Ooh, the lady who played Uhura also makes a guest appearance at some point. Michelle Nichols? Bro. Yeah. Or like like J.J. like Kelvin Timeline. No, 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 no. Zoe Saldana Uhura. No, no, no. The original Uhura. Michelle Nichols. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, Because... J.J. Uh, Abrams series didn't exist before. Yeah, look, all right, Kelvin. Kelvin timeline is a time travely story, bro. Okay, um, that's all I'm saying. All right, good. Thank you. 
Um, I appreciate. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, so wait, who does she play? Is she a gargoyle? I can't tell you anything. She, she comes is? later. I so my goal is to. I made Lex watch the first five episodes, um, which were essentially the first chunk. Um, the of the first act of the first season, right? And they so repackaged this as a, a movie, right? Like a, a straight to video type feature. Uh huh. Um, and it basically chronicles uh, the gargoyle story from olden times Scotland to modern day New York, and how they got there, and like how they got their names and all that stuff. Um, so it's a really good introduction to the tone of the series, the mythology of the series, and also the main players. Yeah, I, I was uh, exactly the right age to watch Gargoyles when it was originally on. Uh, you know, it was while I was getting into Batman the Animated Series and Spider-Man the Animated Series, et cetera, et cetera. Which, yeah, yeah this show obviously shares uh, some staff with, but also it, it just feels very much like it belongs in that family of shows. Yeah. It was on a bunch because it was part of that block of programming. Like when I got home from school, maybe it would be on, yeah. Um, on whatever network Disney that tracks. Uh, but I never really keyed into it. Okay. So I was aware, like, you know, I knew the, some of the character designs, like obviously I know uh, what Goliath looked like and I know, I knew the, the sort of the imagery from the show. I could tell you, Oh yeah, that's one of the gargoyles from gargoyles, but I couldn't tell you anything else about it. I realized watching these episodes, I have uh, an, a direct association with Burger King in my brain. Okay. Because they must have done Gargoyles toys at Probably. one point. Because when I look at especially uh, uh, Brooklyn, who's the reddish one with the beak, yeah. uh, him in particular, for whatever reason, I'm associating that character model with like the smell of Burger King fries. Okay. And and they're uh, and they're they're like chicken tenders or chicken nuggets or whatever it was like right. that sensory experience for whatever reason is directly tied to gargoyles for me a show that I didn't even really watch right just because it permeated my consciousness or it found its way into my brain at exactly the right moment for that connection to happen right and I would say that gargoyles was a very big vehicle for toy sales like their their designs are very distinct um they made sure to vary each of the different gargoyles colors and their wing design and even the way their body shapes are just so they had a variety and you could make distinct toys from them and so they had a lot of tie-in like things like i myself had a bunch of different gargoyle toys ones where like the wings flapped out ones where like the wings were detachable others where spoiler happens you know stuff like that and so um, I totally get having that specific association because they were big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I think that in discussing, even once we get past the spoiler wall, I'm only going to talk about these five episodes. Okay. Um, and I'm not going to spoil any. Like, I might talk about uh, some themes or some influences of the overall show. Um, like, I may mention a character that comes in at some point. But I won't give any specific uh, storyline spoilers. Okay. So that's the goal. All right. Um, and so I want to, before we get behind the spoiler wall, I want to talk a little bit about the inception of this show. Okay. So um, I was lucky enough, I think about five, six years ago, 
um, to be at a comic con where all the creators got together and talked about the creation of the show. Nice. Um, so for years, and this is also kind of why I wanted to talk about it now is that for years and years and years, because the third season of the show was essentially created by a different group and it was renamed Goliath Chronicles and it didn't have the original creators really as part of it. Uh, it, all the, the rights kind of got tied up and they couldn't make DVD sales. Okay. Um, so you, you were never really able to find it, uh, before Disney plus came out, um, over the last couple decades. Um, and it's because of that change and, and those issues. Um, so that's partially why I wanted to talk about it now is cause now it's available all on Disney plus. Right. Um, and, but also, um, having been at that panel, uh, they talked about how they came up with the idea. So uh, originally Disney, uh, during their Disney afternoon, which you were kind of getting at, where it was essentially their rotation of Disney animated series, um, they talked about it as if it was like the, the Disney afternoon machine. Like they were constantly being told to come up with new content. And so um, originally this was supposed to be like a fast-paced, comedic, gummy bears style uh, animated show. Oh, I'm so glad that you worked a gummy bears reference into this episode. I mean, that's what it was. Like they were specifically like the original designs of the gargoyles were like rounder and bouncier. Uh, it was going to be like gummy bears meets like winged bat. Do you think a little bit more along the lines of like the, the gargoyles and hunchback of Notre Dame? Probably like a little bit just like sing songy jovial like you could absolutely see them being the comical sidekicks to a chiseled heroic character. Yeah. Yeah. All right. um, and then as they started developing the concept, oh. um, I believe it was Michael Reeves who uh, he and his wife were started working on it and started kind of like massaging the idea and they had gone back and forth so many times um, before really kind of massaging it into a, a darker, more mature series. Um, okay. And so it got, like, they, they had the idea. They, it got thrown back by the executives, which were like, nah, we don't see it. And so then um, once they did, uh, like, a sh they did a short um, to kind of show the concept of the darker piece, um, which, uh, and then they started pitching it as something that would be on par with Batman the Animated Series, which was, like, the top, uh, animated series at the time. Right. Um, and so I think that was what finally got it to be approved. And then uh, Michael and Brian wrote the first six episodes. Okay, nice. I, I am glad, though. I, I'm glad for Disney that they were able to finally find a place for their wacky, jovial gargoyle concept. That's a million-dollar idea. <laughs> That's like, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of, so Kevin Smith tells this story. It's a famous story, and you could I'm sure you could find it on YouTube, but it's from his first evening with Kevin Smith, sort of like big like lecture special thing. Yeah. He tells a story about he was hired to write a draft of a Superman movie that never got made. And he was talking to the producers, uh, John Peters, I believe. And part of this story, an infamous part of this story, is that John Peters was really adamant about wanting Superman to fight a giant spider right. in this movie. Uh, because the spider is the fiercest killer in the insect kingdom, I guess, was sort of the, the rationale. And 
of course, like Kevin Smith tried to accommodate that. I don't, I haven't actually read that draft, so I don't know if the spider exists in that movie, but that movie, of course, never got made. Right. Handful of years later, uh, Kevin Smith is sitting in a movie theater watching Wild Wild West with Will Smith and Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh. And produced by John Peters, and in the third act of that movie, spoilers for Wild Wild West, giant mechanical spider. Yep. And so it's that moment of like, good for that guy. Like he was sitting on what, at least to him, seemed like a million dollar idea. Uh huh. What a shame it would have been to allow it to go to waste. So what a relief. There is there is balance and order in the world. They were able to resuscitate that concept and bring joy into the hearts of millions countless families oh it's a relief i'm glad i'm glad that you feel good about it um but i do i do dig that they were able to that they, they were given the room that they were trusted enough by disney to take an approach that was a little bit more if not adult, certainly a little bit more mature, a little bit more serious. And and yeah, like it's it's not an accident that Batman the Animated Series is is widely considered one of the seminal animated properties of that decade, right? Because it appeals to young people, but there's enough of an edge to it. There's enough going on that's compelling tonally that it can appeal to a much wider age range than just kids. Right. Um, so I think now I'm going to drop down that spoiler wall. I just wanted to get you, give you guys a little bit of backstory, get you intrigued, really wet that whistle before I drop down that spoiler wall and talk to you about that first five episodes. Um, so if you haven't had a chance to catch the first five episodes of Gargoyles, which is what we'll mainly be talking about, um, you can catch it on Disney plus, uh, I believe they have all three seasons there. Uh, they look great. Uh, they're still in their original four by three or one three three if yeah, you're a nerd. They, they didn't Simpsons that up. Yeah. We don't have to send angry tweets and get them to fix anything. Right. Uh, so check it out there. If you've already seen the whole thing and you're like, yo, I'm just going to brave through the rest. Mo power to you. Thank you. Um, so uh, while we're here, while we're dropping down the wall, it's a slow, it's a slow fall. They they have to crank the crank the wheels while the wall goes down. It's it's a pre year one thousand Scottish technology. Exactly. So uh, while while we're here, while we're waiting, uh, don't forget to subscribe so you can get this in your feed every Tuesday. Uh, if you love what we're doing, maybe maybe rate. Maybe review. Maybe leave us a little message and we read five-star reviews here on this show, baby. So uh, if you leave one, you bounce to hear it. Not right now because you haven't left it yet. Or maybe you're leaving it right now. But leave it. Leave it. What? That's No, hey, if I was listening, that call to action would have aroused me from my seat. I would have pulled over, left my car on the freeway, and just bounded into the trees to get home for some reason to my desktop uh, right. computer of so course. that I can leave a review with great urgency. Yes, because you type faster on a computer. Yes. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, all right, so uh, we're dropping down the spoiler wall. We'll be back right after this. All right, we are back. Uh, so, as I said, we made... Lex Michael watched the first five entitled The Awakening. Um, in short, 
what happens in these five episodes is basically uh, we meet the gargoyles in ancient Scottish lands. They're, they're hanging out in a castle that's being uh, attacked by Vikings. And then uh, they're betrayed. One of their best friends, the commander, um, lets the Vikings in the next day, which is crazy. Um, but another thing to note is they are basically second-class citizens in their own castle. They, like, protect it, but everyone's like, you're monsters. Mm-hmm. Oh, we hate you, even though you keep us alive. <laughs> Look at your weird feet. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the gargoyle looks down like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Which, like, I, it, I think it really helps to build up their sense of nobility that they're willing to endure this uh this i guess hatred right well it also makes them instantly sympathetic right like they're immediately despite their strength and their abilities uh they're still in a way cast as underdogs and so it makes them really easy to root for yeah and like these do like man goliath does not have an easy go of it in this story. No. You know what I mean? Like Goliath is about like Batman, the animated series might be the most appropriate point of comparison in, in as much as like, you've got a protagonist that is so deeply tortured. Like any like fun is sort of antithetical to his (laughs) existence and his place in the world. And you understand why Like you can't, you can't even be like, Oh, cheer up, buddy. It's not that bad. It's that bad. Like it's look, it's great that not all of his friends are dead. That's yes. awesome. But that's where the bar is. You know what I mean? Like for Goliath, the best that can be said is, well, not all of my friends are dead. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of things happen in just this first. I, like, yeah. In in the first five episodes, let's go through the list. <laughs> um, he, in this betrayal, every gargoyle gets uh, murdered during the day, except for him, his mentor, uh, and three, three others and a, and their dog like gargoyle, um, which I have some questions about that. All right. Um, like he's the third class citizen, I guess. Like he's still a gargoyle. Now you've, I, I haven't seen anything beyond these five episodes. Okay. So maybe there are other gargoyles in this mythology that are more like domesticated animals than they are people like. Okay. Maybe there are, maybe there aren't but either way i have a ton of questions it's a little bit like how goofy is a dog right and pluto is a dog right but one of these dogs is allowed to wear clothes right and and communicate with language yeah and one either is not capable or is not allowed to and either way i have questions i mean uh i would vote not capable i was going to make that specific comparison to help kind of ease it into to normal normal normie terms um but like yes i think that well but it's also that like dogs are not a monolith in that uh not all like some dogs are domesticated some dogs are wolves some dogs are foxes like the canine species as a whole uh definitely isn't just one singular thing and so maybe one branch evolved into more bipedal existence and then others didn't you know what's wrong with that there's a a weird and truly dark rabbit hole involving gargoyle eugenics that we could go down now and i'm going i'm going to be the hero eugenics no it's it's evolution baby it's just like how 
when you're evolving Pokemon, <laughs> some of them start off on four four legs, and then by the end, they have like they're bipedal, they have giant wings, and they're like, I'm cool. And then other ones are like, I'm gonna stay on all fours. I'm good like this, yo. It's 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 a biological choice. Interesting. Yeah. Do you know what? You know maybe a better better point of comparison that makes me for reasons I I can't quite explain uh, makes me feel a little bit better about it is Land Before Time. You familiar okay. with Land Before Time? Yes. How all the dinosaurs speak English and behave, you know, obviously they're they're uh, quadrupeds for the most part. Yes. But otherwise, you know, they communicate much like people do with the exception of I think his name is Spike the sort of big, like, yes. slow, sort of jovial one who yes. seems a little bit like he's not all there, but then is actually not just the kindest, but also weirdly, secretly, sometimes the most adept at problem solving. Right. Uh, he doesn't really communicate. He yeah. sort of behaves often like he's a, a domesticated animal. And for some reason, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. So I feel better now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the moral of this story is get over your ableism. Um, so anyways, uh, no, we're moving on. We're done. We're done now. We, we figured out the moral and now we're on to the next piece. Great. Um, so in the, so yes. So, um, all of his comrades get murdered. Um, and then the comrades he had left get turned into perpetual stone in a way that deem that you would imagine is impossible to escape from. And then... Once he comes back into the real or into the modern world, it turns out the guy who quote unquote saved him is also using and tricking him and tries to kill him. Uh, Goliath is having a bad day. And not for nothing, like he gets a pass because they've all been asleep for a thousand years and haven't been exposed to any popular culture whatsoever. Because if they had, they would know instantly that this dude has a bad guy name. His name is David Xanatos. That's not a good guy name on a, an animated television series geared towards younger audiences. Now, again, he gets a pass because he's been asleep for a thousand years, has never seen an animated program, not a one, right. geared towards any audience. Uh huh. But if he had, I'd be very disappointed that they didn't clock this dude sooner. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe it was just like, yeah, it just seems like a cool name. Yeah, you look know? at that, the goatee he's got or the beard thing. Yeah. No, no one dishonest has facial hair like that. Of course. And that ponytail screams honesty. Yeah, that's how you know he's cool. Exactly. Um, but I do really, I do really like, though, of all the stories they could have told, uh, their first, like, big story out with these characters, I am so tickled by the reality that the story they told us so we get the backstory with the gargoyles about how you know like they were betrayed and they were frozen in stone and they wake up a thousand years later yes and they wake up and they meet this guy and he basically basically offers them a heist job you know what i mean like they wake up after their thousand year slumber and and this dude this puppet master is basically like all right I got one perfect score for you. And they literally like heist it up and they go to steal like uh, data chips, <laughs> essentially. You know what I mean? And like, I just thought that's a really sort of pedestrian story to tell with these guys. And in a way that that's not even, that's definitely not a value assessment. That's not even a criticism. Right. I, I, I like it actually. It just seems like such a pedestrian common story choice to go with when you just establish this sort of bigger world this mythology this magic and it's like all right 
Got all that? Heists. <laughs> um, I mean, yes. I think at its base level, it is definitely that. Um, I mean, it, he he works up to it a little bit. Like, he <laughs> stages uh, uh, robbery. He gets them on his side. He like He's like, in the same way that the story shows us, shows the gargoyles as victims, he also does that to them. And then he's like, oh, you know, I gave you a place to live. I brought you back to life. Can you help me with this one thing, guys? Oh, also, hey, I found your girlfriend. Oh, boy, look at her. Where Everything's so cool. I'm cool. Um, but I do also... <laughs> it's like, well, he does have that ponytail. <laughs> um, I, I also though really feel like and this is probably my modern sensibilities that like i do love this aspect of xanatos that he is he's so rich and arrogant that he would try to like on a whim like he didn't he didn't know that it was going to work but on a whim decides yo i hear this legend about these gargoyles so i'm gonna fly a, a castle make it a part of my tower just on a whim. And if it works, I'm going to use these motherfuckers to heist. You have to do um, heists. Right. Um, and and at that point, he was, he was already coming up with contingencies. Uh, because by the end of the fifth episode, we get the, the steel goliaths, which uh, <laughs> I, was, I was watching it. I had almost forgotten that we we not only go directly to heists, but in the very first story, we also get the evil cyborg version of our protagonist. Right. It takes many programs, years, literally years, to burn through enough material that we're left with, I don't know, cyborg version of the protagonist? Fuck it. And they, they, get, they go right for it. They're like, you know what? We, we have the fortitude and the, and the strength and the will to, go to not make you wait. We love you enough that we're going to give you villainous cyborg mirror version of our hero immediately. <laughs> well, I liked that because it, it also shows that even though he has plans on top of plans, like he knew that there was a chance that the gargoyle thing was bullshit. And he's just like, all right, cool. I just added um, an addition to my tower. But now I also have these like metal gargoyles. Um, I feel like the main affront that those cyborgs uh, portrayed was that if I were the other gargoyles that aren't Goliath, I'd be like, why don't they look like any of us? Why are they all Goliath? Like, the fuck? I'm, I got muscles. I'm strong. I can fly. Why, why him? You know? Like at the at the end, uh, when they all have to sort of fend off their attackers and fight for their lives and stuff, Goliath's like, "Come on!" And they're all just like, "I don't know." And it's like, <laughs> "What? What?" It's just, they're just like, "I didn't." They're just all too demoralized, and they just don't <laughs> give a shit. It's like, look, if they looked like us, maybe I'd want to punch them more. Right. It's like there, you know, there are five of them. You didn't have to make five Goliaths. You, you could have made. One for each of us, you know? Yeah, like, not only did this dude manipulate us into a heist, but he's making us feel bad. <laughs> like, I, I'm i I'm an insecure gargoyle to start with. I have to do positive affirmations every day. Right. And here, you're letting me know by implication that you think lesser of me than him because he is taller and more conventionally handsome. 
And his voice is sexy as fuck. <laughs> um, this was my first uh, exposure to Keith David. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I yes, this is the first time I had ever heard or seen him anything that I can remember. Okay. Um, and he does such a good job. Like yeah. this, this character is so layered and has to express so many different emotions over the course of just these five episodes. Like he has to express um, stalwartness. He has to express sorrow, betrayal. He has to uh, show empathy. He also has to be kind of inquisitive and fun. Like especially in the moments when the other crew are learning things about New York and they're like, yo, here's some new terminology. And he gets to really kind of play with that as being the straight man. And I think he does a really good job of all of those aspects. Yeah, And also being able to play moments that are very melodramatic without them feeling outright silly. As we've, as we've mentioned now a couple of times, real bad stuff happens to Goliath in this story. He does not have an easy go of it. And there are a couple of different points over the course of these five episodes where something particularly upsetting takes place. And he has to have the big like, type moment yeah and he's a big purple thing wailing at the sky and that can be very especially when you have to balance the sort of darker more substantive serious tone with something that can still you know safer for kids it can it can be very tricky to nail that balance tonally in a way that doesn't make those melodramatic moments feel silly and i feel like he's able to walk that line really well, it's just, you know how like occasionally, you know, there are plenty of amazingly talented voice actors that do amazingly uh, talented work across a number of different shows. But every so often there is a meshing of a vocal performance and a character. And it's just like, it's not just good, but like, oh, this just feels correct. Yeah. This just feels right. Like the way Kevin Conroy is Batman just feels right. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think, I mean, I think he does very commendable, like noteworthily commendable work in yeah. this, in this thing. I mean, the whole cast though is really good. Yeah. Um, yes. I feel like all of the voices really fit their character designs and like who they're playing. I also, that may be because I've been watching it and I, I'm familiar with these characters. Right. They're the only like way that I can see these voices. Um, but I, I mean the 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 in the long run, all of the actors are like very well classically trained actors and have been doing this for. I mean, this may have started some of their careers, but also like some of them have just been in the Shakespearean realm of acting, which I I imagine they were chosen because of. Uh, and this is where I get into themes that like gargoyles in addition to old Scottish mythology is also heavily influenced by Shakespearean uh, mythology. Mm -hmm. And so they're at, at points in throughout the seasons, like characters from Macbeth and Midsummer's dream will show up throughout the show. Interesting. Um, So Brett Spiner specifically plays um, Puck and he's a very like prominent character. That's interesting. I could, I could see that. Yeah. And because also the the way that it's written has a very big Shakespearean aspect to it, just in the way that uh, even in the way that the gargoyles get um, frozen in stone is is in 
all of Shakespeare's things. It's a miscommunication. It's a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is the result of someone expressing their rage in a way that they didn't, that they didn't realize was inappropriate. Um, and so like, that's the first bit of Shakespeare that we get. And, and I, I imagine that kind of came in a little bit from Greg Weissman, who used to be an English teacher. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that it really enriches all aspects of the gargoyles, uh, storytelling. Yeah, and it it really does draw into even sharper focus how great the work of this voice cast is overall because you need a certain gravitas that feels genuinely authentic and grounded and full to not make this play I mean dumb. You know what I mean? Like think about like all the all the concepts could be solid and everything else could be in place. The story could be in place on paper, the characters could be in place on paper, all of the influences, the mythologies, the the histories that we're drawing from, all of that could be there. But if you do not have a voice cast that can actually ground it, that actually brings and not just individuals but as an ensemble can bring that gravitas to it, then you're just, it's a bunch of weird colorful bat people talking about Shakespeare, which is not, it just sounds, I mean, actually I'm the audience for that. What I just described, that actually sounds great to me, but I feel like for a lot of people that it's just not, it doesn't play. Right. You need something that makes it feel like this is, yeah, we're going to have a little bit of fun, but this is actually something worth taking seriously enough to invest in. Right. Um, And another thematic thing is this idea of the tale as old as time the beauty and the beast story with goliath and eliza massa who we haven't even really talked about but she is um i do not quote me on this um but she is one of the first animated latin american main characters in a disney animated show interesting um and like i think she's also half black based on what later episodes because her brother who shows up later is black um but uh she's a great character uh she's a she's a new york detective she's inquisitive open-minded empathetic uh and she has a a boner for goliath yeah so i i picked up on that a little bit i thought it was interesting this character where is it let's see I, i pulled this up here we go uh in in 2011 is fascinating. The psychology of human beings is, is just an endless source of curiosity for me. Okay. In 2011, uh, this character was included on UGO.com's list of the 50 imaginary women that really needed to be brought to life by science somehow. And was uh, she was also called one of the hottest female supporting characters in animation history. Interesting. People are fascinating to me. First of all, she's a main character. <laughs> bitch second of all um i mean she's cute i guess you know what may i don't i guess my head doesn't really go there you know what i mean like when i'm watching animated children's programming i just my head doesn't usually go to that no judgment i just don't go to that place and i think it's interesting that there are entire lists dedicated to going to that place i mean i think that because of when it came out like she's probably some people's first crush like tv crush true and and the way the character is i was gonna say drawn 
But yes, I guess literally and figuratively. Um, yeah, there's... she's not bad. She's just drawn that way. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that movie, Roger good. Rabbit. That's a good it's movie. So good. It's a great movie. Uh, that'll never happen again. So good though. Um, but uh, no, I get, I get, I get being drawn to the character. I suppose I just, I don't know that I've ever been aroused by a cartoon in that way. But again, no judgment. Whatever, whatever gets you through and doesn't harm anyone else, I, I support it entirely. This character reminded me more than a little and again I you don't get to spend a huge 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 amount of time really getting to know her and her backstory you just you sort of will. see yeah you see how she relates to the other characters uh you know the the sort of more main protagonist Goliath in particular but she reminded me what what little I got to see of Renee Montoya from Batman okay. who is another Latina character certain not in any way a lead on that show, but another animated Latina character who would also rename Montoya in the comics became the question. She's also uh, going to be a character in the new like uh, birds of prey movie that's coming out. And she's being played by Rosie Perez, which a is awesome. Yeah. B I swear. I thought in weirdly only in the first of these five episodes that I feel this way, but it felt a little bit to me like this voice actress was doing a Rosie Perez. Um, I mean, I could see though, like it went away after the first one. Like, it's just like, she slipped out of it and there's a little bit of, um, like a little bit of an accent on, on her dialogue, but it really sounded on a couple of lines. Like she was doing Rosie Perez on purpose. <laughs> right. Well, I think that, yes, it did. It definitely felt like there was a direction that was like, yo, you're a Latina from New York. And so do that. Um, <laughs> So, do the right thing. Ah, I see what you're saying. I just I nudged you the rest of the way. Thank there. you. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with me. You showed me the door, and I pushed you through it. <laughs> um, she's played by uh, Sally Richardson, uh, who I don't like. She, I believe, she may have been in White Man Can't Jump, but what I know her most from is Low Down Dirty Shame which is a movie that I referenced when we were talking about something else. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I did. Cause I, I really liked her. Uh, I thought she was Foxy, but also um, I really like her performance and uh, not just of this character. Cause I don't think I knew that she was uh, Lisa. Mm -hmm. I think I was just like, Oh, she's in black stuff, which is what I was allowed to watch when I was growing up. Right. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really good. She's really cool. Um, but I also love how tender she plays Elisa. Mm -hmm. um, like there's the, I think what I feel like was the best, not, not just introduction to her character, but the, the best way that we got to know how resourceful and competent her character was is in the, I believe it's the third episode, um, when she and Goliath are hanging out and they're attacked by some, actually, I think it's the ep the fourth episode, and they're attacked by some Jim Oaks, and basically Goliath is frozen in stone and she has to keep them at bay for a whole day. Yes. Um, and it's, there's, it, she has almost no resources. She has no guns. She has nothing but her, her wits and her speed. And she's able to outsmart and outdo four special ops people. Yep. Um, and I think that like that is what 
defines that character. And then Goliath wakes up at night and he's like, what happened? And she's like, I did it all. I don't need you. I'm doing the heist. Get the fuck out of here. I'm the gargoyle. <laughs> yep. Wow. That was my favorite scene, actually. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's where the famous catchphrase, I'm the gargoyle, comes from. <laughs> that's the line that everyone knows from the series. Right. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, uh, I was wrong. The movie I was thinking about that she was also in was Anacondas. She was in the second Anaconda. The Hunt for the Blood Orchid? Um, yes. That does explain why why that one character says, I'm the gargoyle. It was right. a reference that yes. now seems less out of place. <laughs> it was the snake that said it, if I the recall. The snake correctly. did, yes. Um, I, I'm a gargoyle. I found the blood orchid because <laughs> I'm a gargoyle. That's why I do the nice. Yep. And that's why they had to, they only could go for the snake at night. <laughs> Which is also when I go for that snake, you know what I'm saying? Hey, Lex, when do I go for the snake? This is at that weird, night. this is that weird, like, arousal for animated characters, gargoyle eugenics rabbit hole that, that I thought we agreed we weren't going to. Um, I feel like you're adding things. <laughs> you're, you're bringing your own layers to this, uh, and I need you to really calm that down. But thank you for sharing with me. <laughs> um, but I also really want to take a moment to talk about Demona. Um, because I find her character to be very fascinating. Okay. Um, she is essentially, she's, she plays the archetype that you see in a lot of shows. Like she is the Magneto or the Loki, MCU's Loki, um, where she is the dark reflection of our main protagonist in that she has gone through the same things, but her approach is to find the uh, the dark side of it. She believes that they are better than the humans, and so thus they should be ruling them. Right. I mean, in that sense, she's a lot more like, like Loki. Well, Magneto does have that, but Magneto's belief, his conviction, is actually rooted in being persecuted, not just for being a mutant, but obviously for being Jewish, whereas Loki's mostly just a punk. And... And in that sense, I feel like she's maybe, if, if it's as simple as, well, we're better than they are, we should rule them, then, yeah, a lot like Loki. Well, I think she's more, I guess, based on your examples, she's more like Magneto in that the gargoyles were persecuted in right. their time. They were the second-class citizens, even though they were doing them a service. <laughs> she's like, you made that one guy walk around like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Leave Bronx alone, Okay. Can you just leave Bronx alone? <laughs> he chooses to live that way. He's like Baby Yoda. You know, what? Baby Yoda chooses not to talk even though he's been alive for 50 years. Got it. Same thing. He wants other people to clean his shit. <laughs> That's his deal. Okay? Get over it. That was it's just a thing their species does. Like that was actually the first is the first test that we don't see on Dagobah with Yoda and Luke. Yeah. It's like, all right, master, what do I do? And Yoda's just like, frankly, I just want someone to clean my shit. Um <laughs> Yes. Exactly. But um I I really like her character because she she brings the the perspective that I think a lot of people would to the gargoyles in that like 
besides their big giant glaring flaw, like they're bigger than us, they're stronger than us, um, they can fly. Uh, why wouldn't they be kings in their own nations, you know? Right. Um, but it's their it's their kindness and their moral code that really keeps them from trying to dominate the human race. Right. Um, I mean, back in their time, they would have been better off if humans weren't around. They could just hang out, hatch eggs, and fucking like eat goats or whatever. Be be rocks for half half of their lives without fear of being smashed into little bits. Exactly. Because, like, they'd still turn into rocks, right? Um, Or was that just something, like, a person did to them at a certain point? No, it's their physiology to turn into stone. I guess guess that would, right? That would definitely be better for them if there were no people around. If it was me, and I knew that half of my existence was going to be spent as a piece of rock, completely helpless, uh, defenseless against attack... Or the, like the only reason the elements don't completely erode me is because I do wake up every day and shake the rock off. Right. Uh, but yeah, if I knew if I if I could sort of go to sleep content in the knowledge that nobody was likely to come along and swing a sledgehammer at me, ending my life, like killing me in my sleep, essentially. Yes. I yeah, I think I'd I'd sleep a little better. Right. So like, I mean, but <laughs> Demona is the one who's most likely to be like, you know what? Human genocide. How about that? And uh, if not for Goliath's great leadership, everyone else would be like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> she's just like, she's sta- standing on the side of the road, like in front of some shops, handing out eugenics pamphlets and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. See, we made it all the way back to eugenics. Yep. Just Cargo for you, eugenics. Lex, because that's your thing. I, that's hey, what you love. I do. I call out eugenicists wherever I see them <laughs> so that I can. we can put a stop to that horrifying and destructive practice. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, it's your kink, right? Anyways, um, we're moving yes, on, the Lex. Punishing the wicked? Yes, that is what does it for me. Absolutely. Um, but... Here's the big question. Yes. If you could be a gargoyle, what would be your design and what would be your name based on the way that they name themselves? Ooh. Um, okay. Let's see. Give me a second. Let me think about it. Okay. My my design. Because I feel, okay, I would not, I feel, okay, I would definitely not be Goliath. I feel like everybody would want to be Goliath, but that's like saying I'd be Captain America Right. I'd be sad, Captain. I'd be sad to America. But uh, I think I'd be more like um, something closer to Brooklyn, probably. Okay. But without, I feel like my face would not be as long. Oh, okay. Like he's got a long face. I feel like I, I don't, I don't have like a squished face. Why the long face, Lex Michael? Stop that. I, I feel like my face is not angular enough. I feel like my head is, is rounder than that. Okay. But I would definitely want the wings. I feel like if I was a gargoyle with no wings, I'd be bummed out. Right. I'd be like, look at him go. Look at me not go. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think, yeah, like closer to that, but with a rounder head, probably about the same height. All right. He's like, he looks like an averagely heighted gargoyle. To yeah. Me. Uh, like a, you're just like a regular tall, lanky dude. Yeah. With a beak. Right. So I feel like I, I would be so, so like approximating, approximating that, but I feel like I wouldn't be red. I feel like I would be, I would either be probably be blue. I feel like if it was okay. me, I'd be blue. All right, like a light blue or a dark blue? Mm, dark, dark, like a like a royal blue. Okay, yeah. nice. That's a that's a 
any like highlight colors because you know the inside of their wings are a slightly different color right so i mean any any highlight color any like flare i feel like it might be like a like a teal but i also feel like if it was up to me i would do like you know how like you know people will do like people will do their nails to like accentuate them, right right like they'll sort of uh they'll, they'll dress up what's already there so i feel like naturally it might be a teal color but every so often if i was so inclined i could go and just sort of like color it differently okay yeah. cool yeah we have spray paint yeah yeah that's cool so well but what would your name be uh based on um so the way they name things is basically like we're in a location and here's here's what i can see from where i'm at and i feel a, a connection yeah. to it somehow basically um but it could be anything veggie grill okay <laughs> i would be All veggie right. grill the gargoyle <laughs> nice um, if any of you guys out there are uh, artists and you want to draw <laughs> Lex's veggie grill gargoyle, we would not be opposed. We would definitely re- re- repost that. I feel like pe- they'd call me Veg for short, and I'd be like, stop it. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. I like the name Veg. You uh, know? But, but that's what it would be. And I feel like if I, if I adopt that as my name, that's the easiest way to get some sort of like brand endorsement. Okay. And then I get free veggie grill. Right. Exactly. You just like your loincloth is like a veggie grill uh, branded little cloth thing. Yeah. And every time you fly, you're like, eat veggie grill. And they'll be like, I'll eat that veg. Oh, God. No. You were, I saw the moment, saw the moment where you decided you were going to say that. And um, I, I saw you bide your time until, because like the opening, there was a, there was an opening and I think it, it, it flew by you. Right. And so I watched you bide your time until you figured out how you could work that into the conversation. You know, and you did. It's like your happy, jovial gargoyles or your giant spider. Right. Exactly. I'm really glad you found a spot for this. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you saw it on my face and I, I had a specific one and I was like, too gross. And then you opened the door again and I was like, that's good enough. Um, that's the spirit. Yep. Thank you. That's our mantra around here on missing out. That's good enough. <laughs> I thought it was too gross. <laughs> too <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think I'd be a golden gargoyle. Um, like my skin would be gold. Um, I'd have Goliath's body. Uh, and the like tips of my wings would be the, the three fingers, the way that um, Demona's are. Um, I think I'd also have like a, a cool, maybe like a like a dark blue crown the way that Demona does. Okay. Um, I definitely have like a thick tail. Um, what else? The, what are these cool features? Um, I would definitely want opposable thumbs. Yeah, everyone like, has opposable thumbs. I know, but I feel like there's got to be a version of this where you end up without thumbs. Maybe. I mean, I guess um, Bronx doesn't have thumbs necessarily. But I think Bronx can hold things. But, but again, um, we really have not nailed down what's happening there. So It's a dog <laughs> by choice. It dog. chose to be a dog <laughs> so that people clean up its poop. <laughs> it's a choice, Lex Michael. Anyways. Uh, yes. Uh, and my, my loincloth would go up around my shoulder like a toga um and i think my name 
would be Hollywood Boulevard. Because <laughs> I'm flashy. So and you... have no substance. <laughs> would you go by Holly B? Yep. I'd be like, hey, it's me, Holly B. <laughs> Listen to my album. I used to strip. Wow. Yeah. All right. Oh, you, like, in, in the reality of this character. Yeah, you created a whole backstory. He used to strip, and now he raps. Um, That's why your character feels more fleshed out and fully formed than mine, is because you actually did the work. I always have a backstory in, with any character. Um, I mean, I mostly stole Cardi B's backstory, but who cares? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So As we say around here, that's good enough. <laughs> too gross <laughs> uh so do you have any last thoughts about gargoyles the animated series i mean i'm glad i have a greater frame of reference for it like i am just aware enough of it or was just aware enough of it that it it did give me something of a nostalgia response but as i mentioned earlier it has more to do with burger king i think than the actual animated show itself right so i'm glad that i I'm glad. I'm glad that I, I finally saw it because it was such a present thing, Yeah. you know, when I was exactly the right age for that show. And it just never really uh, ended up on my radar the way a lot of other shows at that time did. Um. So I think you should keep watching it. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> I picked um, that up. Yes. I think that you would really enjoy it. I, I don't you're not like a giant Doctor Who fan. I like it. Um. But. In the second season, you really get a, f a feeling that the writers are Doctor Who fans. Uh -huh. um, in that there's a whole arc. The second season is about 52 episodes. Um, and Wait, did you say the second season was 52 episodes? Yes. The animated shows in the 90s were wild. Yes. Um, because it was, you know, they had to feed the Disney afternoon beast. And so, uh, but it, they managed to do a lot of really cool things in that second season. And they really like managed to pull everything together in a way that is fulfilling and sad and deep and meaningful. Um, don't watch the third season. It's non-canon. Um, okay. Like it's, we've completely disowned it. Yeah. yeah. All right. It's not canon. Um, the, the creators will tell you not canon. They but did, like, um, they, they went back and did, uh, like, I know they did some comic book stuff. Like, is there anything beyond the second season of the show that is considered Gargoyles canon? Or is it just really those first two seasons and everything else you could take or leave? Um, I would say first two seasons, everything else you can take or leave. Um, but I think that, like, the second season is so well done. And it, it like, really builds out the the world of Gargoyles. Uh, and, like, there's a there's an arc that they call the Avalon arc. That I think is it's very Doctor Who-y, um, but it's also just really meaningful for the characters of Goliath and Eliza, or Lisa. Um, so I think that when you have the opportunity to finish the series, I think that you'll come away with it um, really having enjoyed it. Okay, I mean I've got uh, got Disney Plus, so I can see all of it, even the stuff that. I've just been informed to my great shock is lies. <laughs> um, I think also because the, the show was made for kids, like the, the episodes are about 20 minutes. They blow by really fast. They really do. Yeah. Uh, so all of you guys out there, check it out. 
it's very well made, very well, uh, the story, the like, very well, the art's great. <laughs> the story's great. They do show good. <laughs> yep. They, it's so good. Um, and I think that there's, it still holds up, I think is the main thing. Like in the first few episodes, there are some times where you're like, they really rushed that animation. It's because they had to get it out very quickly. Um, but as the show goes on, their budgets get bigger. The voice cast gets insanely, like a lot, so many cameos. Um, and you'll start to recognize different actors and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize they were in this because it just becomes something that like people wanted to be a part of because of how great the storytelling was. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to hear that it does generally hold up because there are a number of shows from that era that don't quite as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like a lot of the, the animated DC universe stuff still works, you know, like Batman, the animated series is still great. Superman's still great. A lot of the justice league stuff still great, but a lot of the other, let's say superhero animated series of the day, even the ones people have the most nostalgic attachment to maybe, maybe didn't hold up quite Mm. as well. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing that might not hold up about the series is the fact that it takes place in New York in a pre nine eleven era, and so like at some point, I'm sure that they passed the twin towers, and you're like, eee! yeah, but it's not like Rambo three where he's fighting like on the side of the Taliban. You know what I mean? It's not like <laughs> it's not like the Living Daylights, the Timothy Dalton Bond movie, which is actually pretty good by the way, where he's essentially teaming up at the end with the Mujahideen. You know, like it's not quite like that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that's or why, is it? Right. That's why they, they disown the third season. <laughs> it's just Goliath and the Taliban just riding around, killing people. Yep. He's like, you know what? <laughs> Timono was right. And the other gargoyles are like, where was he radicalized? <laughs> the internet doesn't exist yet. <laughs> um, anyway, none of that happens. That's, that's the scheme, though. That's Xanatos' master plan is to invent the internet and use it to radicalize gargoyles to do heists. <laughs> and it works. And it works. Because he's playing three-dimensional chess. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, let us know what you guys thought. Um, let us know what your gargoyle would be. What would its name be? What would it look like? What are the specific gargoyle features that you would adopt? If you want to draw it, send it to us at Missing Outcast. That's M-I-S-S-I-N-G. O-U-T-C-A-S-T. But if you want to talk to Lex Michael specifically, and if you want to convince him to keep watching the show, because there's like a, I want to say a 60% chance he will not, because he has so many things that he was watching, you have to hit him up on his social media. Where can they find you? I I guess if you want to pressure me, if that's that's what you want, if you want to shame me into not having seen the rest of this program... Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. Yeah, no spoilers though. Uh, and you can hit me up to talk about how great the show is at Tari J T E R I J A Y. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this discussion, and we hope that you have a wonderful Tuesday. Uh, or if you're listening to this on a different day, we hope your day's great either way. But until the next time. This is the retrospective that's introspective. And now you have a new perspective on gargoyle eugenics. Too gross. But 
good enough. 